Michigan tries their best to blow it against Illinois. Harbaugh with some more questionable statements, and we look ahead to the big one in Happy Valley. I'm Adam Amble, and this is The M Factor. Welcome back, Michigan fans, for episode seven of the M Factor. Thanks again for listening. We will take a look back at last Saturday's near disaster against Illinois. Harbaugh praises Shea Patterson, which is pretty questionable, and we will go over this Saturday's big battle in Happy Valley. But first, make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or SoundCloud and subscribe to the M Factor. Make sure to leave us a review and, as always, a five-star rating to help skyrocket the M Factor in the rankings so us Wolverine fans can take over the college football podcast world. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. I really appreciate it, and let's keep Season 2 rocking. I really appreciate the support. Let's get Episode 7 going. It was quite the display in Illinois. Let's get start with the lackluster game against the Fighting Illini last Saturday. I was actually in Denver visiting the girlfriend and we go to this bar in downtown Littleton, actually, basically get our own big screen, like our own private waitress or bartender. It was really nice. So a little VIP treatment for the Michigan fans out there, right? I mean, I guess games do start, you know, noon games out east here start at 10, 10 a.m. So maybe a little early for, for the normal crew, but still it's really nice, uh, really nice to hang out out there. And, uh, the Wolverines came out, tried to establish a run right off the bat, and it was looking good for the Wolverines early on, establishing a four-touchdown lead that basically whittled away to just three points in the fourth quarter. Michigan, of course, responded with, honestly, one of their best drives of the season, then capitalized off they capitalized off some of Illinois turnovers to take the win 42-25. to Michigan, of course, lost two more fumbles, which gives them nine lost fumbles on the season and a total of 17 that really been the Achilles heel this season. But let's get into the team stats and box scores really quick for third down efficiency. Michigan, four of 10, Illinois, three of 13. Sorry, again, the score is 42-25 in favor of the Wolverines. Fourth downs, one of two for both squads. Total yards, here's where Michigan really, 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 had the edge in terms of stats, 489 to 256 for the Illini passing. Not a good game again for the Wolverines. Watch out. We'll get into a little Shea Patterson talk a little later. 194 to 192. Completions just terrible. 11 of 22. Illinois 16 of 29. No interceptions thrown by either team, but we head on to the rushing, and this is where Michigan just dominated. 295 to 64, and that was only on 48 carries, folks. That's a 6.1 yards per rush penalties not a terrible game for the boys in blue seven penalties for 54 yards illinois with 10 penalties for 95 so not good for illinois and here we go two turnovers for michigan two turnovers for illinois equal in the turnover game they are lucky they're playing in illinois like i said they tried to give it away but two to two again uh, two two fumbles that's just not gonna win against even even average teams i mean illinois is not a good team Time of possession, 29-47 for the Maize and Blue, Illinois with 30-13. So pretty equal in terms of the actual time of possession. Let's get into the actual box score so we can get into a little individual play. As I mentioned, Shea Patterson, 11 of 22, 194 yards. He did have three touchdowns, but uh, just a QBR of 85.5, which isn't terrible. I mean, Matt Robinson for Illinois was 16 of 25, 192 yards. 
one touchdown. His QBR was 29.5. That's obviously because Shea rushed for, what, two touchdowns? That or, uh, or one touchdown, pardon me. So that obviously helps the, the QBR a little bit. But 194 yards, 11 of 22, I mean, a 50% completion percentage, that is not going to cut it. Again, we'll get into a little more later, but Michigan rushing, this is where this is where they dominated pretty much all day long, especially the first quarter and uh, the uh, the first half, especially the first half. Hassan Haskins out of nowhere with 12 carries, 125 yards, 10.4 yards per carry, had a tutty, and then all day Charbonnet with 18 carries, 116 yards. True Wilson actually got some good carries, 10 carries for 46 yards. But uh, Haskins and Charbonnet, just a great game, especially right off the bat as Michigan built that four TD lead. Michigan receiving. Ronnie Bell had a solid game, 98 yards, three receptions. DPJ with three receptions and 36 yards. DPJ had that nice touchdown at the end there to when the when Illinois brought it to within three. So that was really nice. Actually, that was one of Shea Patterson's better passes of the probably actually of the season. But uh, let's force it on over to defense. We did recover two fumbles. And on the defensive side, great, great game by Cameron McGrone with 11 tackles as well as a sack, two tackles for losses. And then Jordan Glasgow, he's been playing great all seasons, and so has McGrone. He's been a great, uh, great addition to that defense. And Glasgow with 11 tackles as well and uh, half half a tackle for a loss. And uh, really kind of just kind of spread out throughout the rest of the, the defense there. And uh, we go to no interceptions. Kick returns was Michael Barrett. He only had to do one, but he returned at 20 yards, so that's not bad. Punt returns. Jordan Glasgow actually got a punt return. And uh, DPJ only had one for three yards. Michigan kicking. Quinn Nordine with 0 for 1 on field goals. Come on, Quinn. And 3 for 3 extra points. And Jake Moody also was 3 for 3 from extra points. Michigan punting only 3 on the day. Uh, not a very good day for punting. Will Hart only 44.3 yards and only a long of 49. So I'd like to get into the game thoughts, you know, kind of early on here. I know we kind of ran through the statistics, but it really wasn't a really stat driven game unless you obviously we consider the rushing for the Wolverines, the, the major factor in this one and those two for two turnovers, but we'll get into the M factor here after the game thoughts, the run game was strong. And from that unlikely source of Hassan Haskins, they wanted to establish it early. That's exactly what they did. They put it right on Illinois' nose, and they did a great job. It looked like it was going to be a route, really. Let's not forget this was. Uh, th- th- let's not forget this was an Illinois team that has not won a Big Ten game yet. So again, this should have been a much better game for the Wolverines. They did not cover the spread. Uh, they were close, but they did not cover the spread, and it should have been more of a, th- those twenty-five points by Illinois is way too much, especially for that lackluster offense. I mean, I put them just above Rutgers. That'd be a great game to see, right? Uh, the turnovers, yet again, this, yet again, let this, the subpar Illinois team back into the game in the fourth quarter. And it took, which like I mentioned, was one of their, seemed like one of their best drives of the season. And I have to ask a question on why, is that not the offense all game long? Why did they not come out like this? I know they established the run early, so it was looking pretty solid. But why haven't they done this against Wisconsin? Why didn't they do this against Iowa? Why didn't they do this? Why Why does it take them so long? Why didn't they do this against Army? I know they were trying to they, – they were saying they were holding back for Wisconsin, but obviously they didn't pull out anything against Wisconsin until they were down by 35 points, right? But I just – 
want to know why, where is this at the start of the game? They show, like I mentioned, they showed this a little get a bit against Wisconsin late in the game and then showed it against Illinois late in the game. Start with this as that is the offense that we were looking for all season. Two words up tempo. How about that? How about just one word tempo? That is what works. And honestly, Shea looked very comfortable with it. He looked decent against Remember, He came out or he got pulled against Wisconsin. McCaffrey got injured. Milton threw the pick and then Shea came back in little of fire under his butt, but it was open. It was wide open. This is exactly what we wanted. This is exactly what we were looking for at the start of the season. That drive after Illinois scored and then converted on the two-point conversion was one of the best drives of the season. It was fantastic. It was fun to watch. You would have thought they'd been doing that all year. Where is it? You, you, you can't say that they're holding back or keeping things secret for Penn State because did you really want to keep things on the lowdown against Wisconsin or Army? No, you should have lost against Army. Let's face it, it took them a missed field goal. We could easily have a couple losses under our belt. Iowa could have beat us, except for our defense played so amazing. I just have to ask why it takes something like this to to open up the playbook, up the tempo, and get that it up the tempo and get that tutty nice and smooth. That drive was 79 yards on 10 plays, which is almost textbook when running that style of offense that Gaddis was supposed to implement. This is kind of what we promised. I hope over this week of practice, the offense literally just memorizes that drive and shows it early, right off the bat against Penn State. Now, don't get me wrong; it's gonna be a tough. It's gonna be a tough environment. Definitely, definitely more tough than Illinois down there in Champaign. But come out with this. I don't understand where it has been all season. No one can give me a good answer either. There's a lot of people I listen to, a lot of sports talk radio, a lot of Michigan fans, a lot of expert Michigan fans. You know, far better than me that don't understand it either. Where is it? There's, is there something we're missing at practice? Because you're not showing it on the game. I know Harbaugh is stubborn, but still, this is ridiculous. Get us. Come on. Let's get it going. This It's do or die this next weekend. So it's do or die against Penn State. It has to happen this weekend. Or we're looking at a very, very tough run here. And it could be a solid four loss, you know, four losses in the next, you know, five games. Uh, my, I think my only win might be against Indiana, and I'm sadly I'm not even counting Michigan State as a as a win, which I should be. But this weekend's going to show again. Let's see how they react. Let's see how they adapt. Have they adapted since that Wisconsin loss? You know that we really haven't had a good test. I mean, our offense didn't look good against Iowa, so let's see what happens. Uh, let's move on to the M factors. One, Hassan Haskins. I think that's a pretty obvious one. I mean, just a fantastic game especially for someone that you know hasn't seen a lot of carries all season long he gets in there I, I don't get me wrong I'm still an all-day Charbonnet fan but Haskins it was great to see someone else kind of pick up the ball because you can't have Charbonnet running at 33 times a game like he did against Army because he's a freshman yeah I know he's a house but at the same time remember you guys remember um oh who was the um Oh, I can't remember his name right now, but we used it was back in the the Rich Rod. Sam McGuffey. Remember McGuffey, how we just used him to the bone? 30 carries and like 11 receptions. He was punt returner, kick returner. Just would touch the ball in almost every, every, every single play. And it, it just burned him out. He just wasn't big enough to play in the Big Ten. And don't get me wrong, Charbonnet is definitely big enough to play in the Big Ten. He's definitely strong enough. But you just don't want to burn him out, especially as a freshman. I'm liking the fact that Haskins steps in there. I don't like saying Haskins. So we'll say Hassan. Uh, Haskins is – we don't want to use that word. 
Uh, McGrone with 11 tackles and one sack. McGrone has been a very big surprise for me this year. A uh, pleasant surprise, that is. It, he, you know, he's got that speed, and that's what we want to see on the defense, right? Obviously, uh, he's got that he's got that athleticism that we were hoping that Michigan was going to get and have this year, and he's definitely shown it. So that's great for McGrone, a great game. Keep it up, buddy, because he's had a couple great games this year, and I hope he can stay healthy. Non-player M factor, we'll say, or kind of a negative, again, answering – uh, or non-player M factor, I'm sorry, again, was answering with that great offensive drive after Illinois got within three. That obviously changed the, the, the momentum of the game. Illinois had it, and they literally just took it right on the chin from the Michigan offense from the drive that we have been waiting for. That's what I'm saying. We have just been waiting for. So those are the, the three M factors of the game easily. And I I'd like to shift to this now. I'm really starting to to question Harbaugh's sanity as he hit the podium again on Monday to do his uh, weekly pref- press conference. And for the most part, I was in agreement with what he said. I mean, it was a typical Harbaugh press conference where not a lot was said. Uh, of course, the awkward pauses and the uhs and the just don't have any idea how he puts a sentence together. But he kept some of the injuries on the lowdown, which I like. Whether some of the major injury uh, injured players will be back for Penn State, not sure, and that's okay with me. Let's keep it. Let's keep it on the down low. But then he comes out with, and I quote: "She has been the best quarterback on the field every game this season." Uh, well, let's let's take a look at the stats first. Uh, I'm not sure I'm in agreement with that. Uh, O'Hara for Middle Tennessee State: twenty-two of thirty-two, two seventeen with two TDs and INT. How about Shea? 17 of 29? Nope, lost that. 203 yards? Nope, lost that. He did have three TDs, but two fumbles. So I'm not going to say he was the best quarterback on the field there, and that was at home in the home opener there under the lights. Army, uh, Army's uh, Hopkins Jr. was two for four, but Army's not a passing squad. 41 yards rushing. Would have had more if it wasn't for some of the sacks. He had two TDs. How about Shea, though? 19 of 29? Eh, nothing special. 270 yards. Zero TDs. And had two more fumbles lost. I'm sorry. I'm not going to put him above Hopkins Jr. even. was. Uh, don't even get me started on Wisconsin. Coney, he didn't even have to throw the ball with, um, with Taylor running all over Michigan. But 13 of 16, 128 yards. I mean, only had to throw 16 times. Rush for two TDs. No turnovers. How about Shea? 14 of 32. Not even 50% completion percentage. 219 yards with two TDs. And an INT and another fumble lost. And he got benched that game. So why'd you bench him, Harbaugh, if he was clearly the, been the best quarterback on the field every game? Maybe he was talking about like the best quarterback on the team every game. I don't know. I'm not seeing it. Let's go to Iowa. Stanley was 23-42 for 260 with no TDs, but he did have those three INTs. But you can't – I mean, Stanley was the one guy that I thought – what, at the start of the season when it's actually going to be a, a problem for Michigan was actually going to be probably better uh, in, in the big 10 than, than Shea was, but Shea was only 14 of 26. Finally, uh, just barely over 50% completion percentage for 147 yards, no TDs and one INT that ratio just kills them. I want to see the QBRs for all these because it's ridiculous. Illinois Robinson was 16 of 25, 192 yards and one TD Shea 11 of 22, 50% completion. Complete your passes. Come on, Shea. 194 yards with three TDs. One He did have a rushing TD, but did fumble it. Luckily, didn't lose it. Still lost the ball once. Oh, 
you can't tell me any of the any of these games that he was the best quarterback on the field. Maybe against Robinson, and honestly, like Stanley, but Shea did not have a good game uh, against Iowa either. So, I mean, I think even Satowski for Rutgers, seventeen of twenty-four, hundred and six, but no turnovers. Shea that game was seventeen of twenty-three. Probably his best game of the season was against Rutgers High School. One TD and an INT. Too many turnovers, Shea. Not good completion percentage. And the lack of leadership is really, really depressing me. Oh, let's get into a little bit of those. Out of all those QBs, I, like I mentioned, only Stanley was supposed to be the the the, the, the good one this year out of, out of all the teams that Michigan has played so far. You got to ask yourself, is Shea really a Big Ten championship quarterback? I mean, he might be in the, the same category as Lewerke at this point, and that just pains me to say. I hope you like, – Hopefully we can beep that out before this goes public, but I just can't see. You just don't see it. And the problem was the expectation at the start of the year. The expectation was that he was going to be probably uh, without a doubt uh, behind maybe fields. Right. And we didn't know about fields because he was a transfer, but probably the best quarterback in the big 10. I don't see anyone else at the start of the season that was supposed to be up there with Shea. Like I mentioned besides fields, but we didn't have the, the history on him. My main issue is not the the stats; it's the the lack of leadership from him. Again, I still it still looks like he's pouting from not being voted captain. You don't have to be captain, buddy, to be a leader. You're the quarterback of Michigan football. You, you, that comes with the job. That comes with the territory. You have to be the leader. And even as much as I hated John Navarre, he was still a solid leader. I mean, you have to be. You know, four year starter. Uh, that pains me to say as well. But even John Navarro was a good leader. That might be the only pro or only compliment that I've ever given John Navarro. He was still a good leader. I mean, he was at the bottom of all the leaders of quarterbacks that Michigan has had throughout the years, but still a leader. Shea, I don't even know. I don't even hear from him this year. He looks like he's always tired, first of all. Maybe he should wipe all that that black off of his face so he actually looks like an, an adult and can actually, but you know, hopefully play a little play with a little maturity, but still. I just don't see the leadership this year. This is there was a reason people thought he was going to make Michigan the Big Ten championship this year, and it just it just isn't there. We're just missing it from last year. Last year he had the intensity he was playing with, and like I mentioned, he he would always use that pull. He would rush for good yardage. He was accurate, decently accurate until maybe maybe defense just took a took a page from Ohio State and Florida and just really started just mimicking them. I don't know what it is. I'm not seeing it from the defense because, like I mentioned, I don't know why he's not pulling it. I purposely watch these defense events to see if they crash and to see if Shea can actually do a good read and actually uh, take a look and, and pull it, but it's just he doesn't do it. And every time he does that, boom, the running back just gets exploded. They maybe get a yard or a loss of a yard because the offensive line obviously is not is, is taught to let that defensive end go. That's how the play works, right? snap the ball you let that defensive end go if he crashes you pull it if he doesn't crash then you hand it off right and I'm just not seeing it so at the end of all of this is it time for McCaffrey I mentioned it last week I thought for sure if McCaffrey was healthy that he would have been on the field against Illinois and I didn't even see him play they didn't have to luckily does he play against Penn State I mean Harbaugh is clearly with that statement or the statement that on Monday that He's going to stick with Shea, right? Doesn't that, isn't that what it sounds like to you folks? I, I would say that. If he thinks that Shea was the best quarterback on the field for every game this season, there's no way he can go with, with McCaffrey after that statement, right? 
there's no way it'd just be undermining himself, which is which is terrible because I think it's time for McCaffrey personally. I really do. I like I mentioned last week, I'm jumping on that bandwagon. I'm jumping on the Shea Patters or pardon me, the the Dylan McCaffrey bandwagon. Let's get it going. He's goofy. Uh, he needs to learn how to take a hit, obviously, but it's just Shea is there's no intensity, there's no leadership. And there's no athleticism that I saw last year. All three major negatives, all three of which I thought were going to be the positives this year for Shea. That's what really disappoints me. I thought those were all going to be positives. They're not. It's disappointing. It's McCaffrey time. Boom. So let's let's jump into the Big Ten from last week, a quick rundown of the league after week seven. Biggest game of the weekend was Penn State barely beating Iowa at Kinnick Stadium, which is still a very tough place to play. Well, I still love when they do that wave to the Children's Hospital there. That just gives me goosebumps every time. It does worry me a little bit for the coming weekend, but we'll preview that a little later. Uh, let's get into the the scores from last week. Indiana took down Rutgers High School, 35-0. Way to go, Hoosiers. Purdue gets going against Maryland. Finally gets it going a little bit against Maryland, 40-14. to Penn State beats Iowa, 17-12. The surprise team. Of the season so far, Minnesota remaining undefeated, beats Nebraska, destroys Nebraska 34-7. And, of course, Wisconsin embarrasses MSU 38-0, which I rather enjoyed, of course. Uh, way to go, way to go, Sparty, after uh, they ridicule us for getting ran over by Wisconsin. Oh, how about that? Uh, Wisconsin kind of owning the state of Michigan right now. Offered to, uh, looks like they're going to own the UP. That's the rumor around the street. Uh, yeah, the, the little little tweets going out from Wisconsin people uh, stating how they, I guess, they should just uh, take the UP from us after beating Central Michigan, Michigan, and Michigan State, and, of course, that Green Bay ugh, debacle on Monday Night Football against the Lions. Oh, maybe they should take the UP. I mean, I mean, it wouldn't break my heart, but I'm just kidding. The UP is awesome. So let's go over the national rankings real quick. Now there's a, there was a little bit of a shakeup. OSU goes to number four, losing a spot actually, but rightfully so. LSU wins with a big win over Florida. That's rather understandable, especially since OSU did not play. Wisconsin up two to number six. Penn State up to number seven. Michigan stays at sixteen, and Minnesota steams into the top twenty-five at number twenty. Good for PJ Fleck and that squad. I've never had any beef with Minnesota, so good for them. Um, I'm happy for for the Golden Gophers. They've had a, a couple tough years, and I'm just I, I'm I'm glad they haven't really played anyone yet. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure if they really play anyone really. You know, the the rest of the season, um, they're obviously going to have to play. Uh, um, they're going to have to play Wisconsin, but other than that, they're just uh, they're. They win the games they're supposed to. That's all. I mean, they've got, uh, let's see, I'm taking a look real quick. They do have one crossover game against Penn State. That's going to be tough. But, remains. I mean, Penn State really hasn't played anyone either except Iowa. So, we're going to see how they are. And, uh, yeah, Minnesota does have to travel to Iowa. Uh, but they do get Wisconsin at home that last weekend of the season. Hopefully, when we are celebrating win over Ohio State, which I'm not seeing right now. But, anyway. Pretty shocked about the Golden Gophers. They deserve it. They're 6-0. and Wisconsin continues to gain the respect after that shellacking of Sparty. And, oh, actually, speaking of Sparty, that leads me into this week's rival annoyance. (laughs) 
So, yes, as expected, again, MSU gets rolled for the second week in a row by Wisconsin. Now, trust me, I'm not about to throw stones about losing bad to Wisconsin because, obviously, we have no room to talk. But I am getting extremely annoyed with Sparty Nation claiming that this is the team they knew they had all along. Of course, they're going back into their their little burrows and their little little mole holes and just, oh, no, we're backing off now after weeks and weeks of how awesome – their defense was, remember when they were talking after the first two games of the season that they are a real contender for the Big Ten Championship with that that nation's best defense. They didn't miss a beat from last year. And after that Western game, an offense that that was back on track, you know, they, they beat up on Western. Well, let's uh, let's pump the brakes. Like I said, that, that really annoys me when because Sparty Nation does this every year. Uh, their defense... It's not what it used to be, obviously, allowing 34 or pardon me, 31, 34 and 38 in their last three games. By the way, they were shut out for the first time since like 2016 or something, which is shocking, especially when you have Lewerke at quarterback. D'Antonio swearing at reporters in the postgame straight, straight class, D'Antonio. Right. I love how Sparty fans still think that this guy is classy. Maybe that maybe that will be uh, next week's rival annoyance is how they still just have D'Antonio's back. Don't get me wrong. Not a bad coach, but if you're going to sit there and say how, that he's just straight class, especially with a lot of the uh, off-the-field allegations, again, they're just alleged, um, but it's it's rather disturbing. This guy is not class. I, I remember he's always he's always bickering on the field. He always pushes the rules. I, I, I hated uh, a couple years ago on the punt game. Uh, I was actually at the game, and I would just look, and he – they don't impl- they don't enforce the sideline rule to him. I mentioned this a lot actually to to one of my buddies. Just watch him. He's always out there on the field, just John in the the ref's ear, and uh, it's just leading them to a four and three record so far. Way to go, Sparty! What what really annoys me is typical MSU fans throwing in the towel as they always do when things get bad, trying to make it like this is what they expected all along. Well, that's not what I was hearing after that Western game, Sparty. Uh, two bad years in a row is looking very possible, and I thoroughly would enjoy that. And boy, I hope uh, Michigan can pull uh, can can beat them this year because that's it's another rival annoyance again. That if it, once you know they throw in the towel, but that towel comes right back, and they're right back on the bandwagon if they beat Michigan, right? So just disgusting. And ugh. Uh, anyway, that is this week's rival annoyance. <laughs> All right, folks, so big one this Saturday with major Big Ten East implications on the line, and honestly, it'll show us if this team has improved at all since Wisconsin because we really haven't got a good gauge against uh, Iowa. I mean, obviously, they didn't improve at all against Iowa. Very disappointed, especially after that bye week. And uh, this is – or pardon me, um, after, you know, Rutgers – after that Rutgers high school win – and uh, and then they uh, come out and kind of throw up a goose egg against Iowa. They look good the first the first two drives, but obviously the the defense got, uh, won that game for them. And against Illinois, you just really can't gauge it. They did have that one solid drive, and we'll we'll have to see. I mean, this is the Michigan heading to to Beaver Stadium to play Penn State under the lights, which is never good for us. That is that game is seven thirty this Saturday on ABC. It's the game of the week. Game day will be there. That place will, of course, be rocking as it always is, especially against Michigan. 
Penn State is currently favored by nine with a 78.6 chance to win and comes in number seven after that that tough, gutsy win at Iowa last Saturday. So let's take a look real quick. I just want to take a look real quick at the head-to-head stats. And they're they're fairly – I mean, Penn State's just looking – looking much more solid but again they haven't played anyone so i want i want to make sure you know their their closest game their best team that they played probably is Pitt. well besides iowa so i will give them but they didn't look that great against iowa points per game michigan at 30.3 penn state at 42 points allowed 17.5 for michigan 8.2 for penn state total yards penn state has the edge penn state pretty much has the edge in all of the major statistics in terms of their quarterback play clifford's having a great year, especially with the ratio of 13 TDs to only two INTs compared to Shea's nine TDs to three INTs. And they obviously don't put in Shea's fumble, little fumbleitis going on there. Alde Charbonnet leads uh, Kane, though. Uh, Alde Charbonnet with 376 yards to 310 from Kane. And um, Hamler is over a uh, bell for, for receiving yards. But like I mentioned, Penn State, their last five, their their closest one was against Pitt. And last weekend against Iowa, Pitt, they should have destroyed Pitt. But that was at Happy Valley, too. They only won 17 to 10, so don't forget that. There is – it's, it's going to be tough. It's always a tough environment to play there. And let's face it, I did not think that Penn State was going to be I, – I personally think they're overachieving a little bit. Uh, that, was a, that was a gutsy win against Iowa, so I'll give it – I'll give them a little bit of credit there. Uh, Harbaugh is now one and nine against the AP top 10 teams and zero big road wins since he has been at Michigan. I mean, I can't even think of a big road game that he's actually won. Uh, It's been, I mean, maybe the two Michigan state wins uh, when Michigan state was down, but it looks like they're, they'll be down again this year. Uh, so hopefully, they, again, they can pull that off at the big house. But last time, uh, Harbaugh just needs this one bad, especially since this is the start of a tough stretch as they will face Notre Dame the following weekend. They'll get Michigan State at home. They'll get Ohio State at home. So luckily, this will be the the last true road test of the season for the maize and blue for Harbaugh. And they need to pull this one out. I think Harbaugh really needs to just to just to show people that he can win a big one on the road because he hasn't shown it yet. I'll tell you what, you know, fifth year, let's go. Come on, Harbaugh, let's get it done. And the last time Michigan headed to Happy Valley, it was embarrassing with Saquon Barkley and the crew. I don't think anyone forgets that. That was basically the same situation, right? We thought we had a solid chance going in, and oh boy, that was embarrassing. Oh man, they just they just kicked us right in the teeth so hopefully it's not the same hopefully it is a game uh hold on here for my my prediction but michigan did return the favor last year but it's quite obvious we're not the same team and it's not at the the friendly confines of the big house one advantage for michigan though is that penn state did have a really tough hard-fought game against iowa last weekend at iowa that you know iowa you got to give iowa credit they are just a tough tough team so they do take a little bit out of you Michigan happened to hit Illinois at the right time because I was one of the more physical teams in the Big Ten so who knows maybe that kind of, that might have taken a little bit out of Penn State uh, but again the game is under the lights Beaver Stadium I'm sure it'll be a whiteout whiteout will be in full force crowd will be at maximum intensity uh, my gut feeling for the game is it'll be another defensive battle or an offensive struggle however you want to look at it Probably be similar to the Iowa game uh, for both teams. However, 
however you want to look at it, with, however, Michigan getting the 17-14 win in Happy Valley to get that big road victory for Harbaugh. And Michigan Nation goes crazy, right? <sighs> well, well, at least for a week anyway. <laughs> so so bring it home, boys. Uh, we're all rooting for you. And hopefully, hopefully those are the few specks of maize and blue in the crowd on Saturday. Uh, but for the most part, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be white. That is quite a spectacle to see. I do enjoy seeing that. That's why you got to love college football, right? But with that, it'll conclude this week's M Factor. Again, make sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or SoundCloud and subscribe to the M Factor. Leave us that review and a five-star rating to help us out in the rankings. And again, be sure to tell your friends, share this, friends, family, any Michigan fan about the podcast. Next week, I believe I'm going to, I'm trying to set up something to where I'm going to go Facebook Live, setting up a Facebook uh, Live page for all you Michigan fans, all you M Factor fans, and we're going to do a little interactive episode. I'll still put it up, obviously, release the podcast Thursday nights, but I really want to try this. Um, just setting up the studios right now, so hopefully next week we'll be able to, um, yeah, I'll be able to interact with you guys while I'm doing it and just not record it and then put it out on Thursday night. Uh, not to mention it will it comes out every Thursday. Uh, <clears throat> I really appreciate everyone's support, so... Have a great and safe weekend, everyone. Enjoy the game. Don't forget, 7.30 on ABC this Saturday. We will be having a little watch party here at the M Factor Studios, so that will be a good time. But be back here next Thursday. As always, thanks for listening, everyone. I'm Adam Amble, and this is the M Factor. Go Blue.